3: Hello and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio 50 50 50 that is what the top of the Eastern Division looks like as your Pittsburgh Penguins have moved into a tie at least in points atop the division along with Washington and Boston I'm sorry Washington and the Islanders after a 4-1 win last night Over the Bruins, goals by Zach Aston-Reese, Mike Madison, don't call him Bobby Orr, Uh, Jason Zucker, a really important goal, and we'll get into that in a second, and then Jake Ensel uh, to help the Penguins to their fifth straight win. Uh, This is Tom Reed. I'm joined by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari, who is in Boston, was at TD Garden tonight. And Dave, what's your headline from this game?
0: Well, it's uh, it's hard to single out one thing that uh, made this victory possible, Tom, because the Penguins did so many things so very well. Uh, <clears throat> the one thing that, that kind of stood out to me is I thought they might have had their best game of the season in terms of defending with their sticks. Yeah. I thought they... Did an exceptional job of breaking up passes and blocking shots and tying up the Bruin sticks in front of goalie Casey DeSmith to, uh, to prevent them from getting a, a crack at uh, rebounds and, and other second chance opportunities like that. Uh, but it was uh, an extremely perf- uh, impressive performance on just about every level.
3: Uh, as you mentioned, Casey Smith with. Smith with 30 saves for the win, and again, uh, that is a five straight wins uh, for these Penguins. But Taylor Haas, it has been a long time coming uh, in Boston. Uh, they had not won there since 2014, uh, uh, ending a 10-game losing streak at TD Garden. And uh, you found some interesting little nuggets in the post-game show. Uh, featuring Zach Aston-Reese, did you not?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just thought he—he he said he thinks he was at that game. Um, he said he thinks his, da- uh, his his dad bought him tickets to that because his dad grew up a, a Penguins fan. But no, I thought it was it was interesting because I was um, Wednesday's practice. I mean, like Latang showed up to practice with a mustache, and no one really knew why. Like it wasn't like that he lost a drill or anything. Um, Matheson joked after that practice, you know, like I hope it's not because he thought it looked good, but. Aston Reese kind of implied in the post game that he did that to help snap the streak uh, of losing in Boston. Uh, he said they were trying all kinds of things away from the ice. He, he mentioned the Tang's mustache. Uh, he said he wore a, a, a flashy suit and then the guys were getting coffee um, at different places on, on their way to the, to, to, the airport, I guess, or before the game. Um, and I, I don't know. I guess it worked. I think that with the way Crosby is superstitious, uh, you know, superstition wise, uh, I don't think he's going to let the tank shave that mustache. We're going to be stuck looking at that for a while, but uh, I guess, I mean, if it works, it works.
3: Uh, t- Dave, t- getting back to amplify your point, a lot of contributions everywhere. I think there were 10, 11, 10 or 11 players on the score sheet tonight. Brandon Tanef, uh returns to the lineup, gets an assist right away on, and Reith's eighth goal. But I thought, uh, you know, you look at the final score, 4-1, nice win. Uh, but I thought one of the most important parts of this game was right after the Bruins come back uh, midway through the second uh, – I'm sorry, midway through the third period, make it a 2-1 game, and you're thinking, okay, maybe here is the push from these guys. Maybe this, they find a way to continue the street. And Jason Zucker, uh, just a couple of minutes later on a pass from Rodriguez, uh, scores, gives him the 3-1 goal after Zucker had missed a glorious chance early in the game. I know you were asking him, Zucker, a question about this in the press conference. Uh, give us a little insight there.
0: Well, I actually <clears throat> asked him about uh, both of those uh, issues. Uh, in the in the first period, he had a breakaway and ended up missing the net um, with a backhander, and he put the blame for that Solely on himself, he uh, talked about his bad hands, things of that sort. That seemed like a bit much for, especially for a guy who just got back in the lineup after a lengthy absence. I thought he was a bit hard on himself, but you know that goal, the the third goal coming as as it did less than two minutes after Boston had made it two to one. Um, that was really key because it, it certainly took the wind out of the Bruins uh, for at least a few minutes. They kind of mounted a push after they pulled their goalie with just a little over three minutes to go. But that gave the Penguins, I think, uh, a little renewed confidence and, you know, perhaps more importantly, a uh, you know a little margin for error. You know, when when you have a two goal cushion. Uh, you can play a, a bit more relaxed. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I really thought that Zucker's goal uh, was huge. It, it, it really dictated the way the uh, end of the game played out.
3: Uh, Taylor, just yet another really good, and Dave alluded to this a bit earlier, uh, defensive performance. And we just continue to see this as this team is still waiting to get back some big pieces, including uh, Gino Malkin. One goal tonight, another strong performance from Casey DeSmith, who's got to right now be one of the best backup goaltenders in the league. It's almost unfair to couldn't call him that, the way he's played this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's been unreal. Uh, I don't think anyone expected this uh, coming in. I, I remember, you know, the discussions in the offseason are, you know, like can, can Jari handle being the starter? Because, you know, Casey, he definitely can't take, you know, uh you know a a big share of the games like he's not gonna be that great of a backup but just watching the way he's been playing as of lately um yeah I mean it's 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 been wild and I mean that's what they're gonna need you know for the rest of this this stretch heading in uh I mean now they're fighting to win the division I don't think we all saw this either but uh for that stretch and then in in the playoffs uh that's gonna be big uh
3: Dave just uh can you continue a little bit on that point? I know there were a lot of questions directed at Mike Sullivan about uh, players giving him credit uh, for the way uh, this team is playing. Of course, he bounces it back as most coaches do and say it's a player's, it's a player's game. But uh, no matter who takes the credit, uh, this team is really building a strong defensive foundation after some struggles early in the year.
0: Uh, yeah, it is. And, you know, the interest, the, They've kind of done this thing in, in the past when they've had uh, some high-profile players out with injuries, and, you know, the key will be whether whether they can maintain this mindset and this commitment uh, to playing well defensively if they ever get to a point where they're back to something, you know, approximating full health, uh, you know, when they get Malkin and Kapanen. And uh, Teddy Bluger back. I don't think you have to worry about Teddy Bluger's two-way game. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's a tendency to have a bit less urgency to play well defensively when when your top offensive guns are, are all in the lineup. And it will be interesting uh, to see if they can uh, keep this up. When you know when Malkin and, and Kapanen are back, because it's you know it's not easy to play this way. It takes uh, it takes a, a major physical and, and mental commitment. Uh, it's to Sullivan's credit that he's been able to instill this mindset in his players, and, and certainly to their uh, to
3: their credit, they've that they've been able to act on it as effectively as they have. Taylor uh, Brandon Tanif back in the lineup as we mentioned uh, broke in and got a quick assist on the on the first goal two minutes into the game and it looked like he did not miss a beat he was jawing at one point obviously you know he, he was he had kind of delivered a big hit in one of the last times he played against this Boston team I don't I don't know what that was all about but it was, it was quite comical to watch it I know one of the players was talking about it in the post game what did you see from Tanif in that line
1: yeah I mean Tanif it- you know, after, uh, practice, you know, the last practice, Sullivan was asked, you know, like when, you know, is ready to go, are you going to ease him back in? Or are you just going to, uh, you know, like put him out there like normal? And Sullivan said, like, you know, you just got to have to throw him out there and let him go. You know, he, that's what, uh, the, the, the way he plays, that's just what you have to do. And then that's what we saw from him tonight. Just the energy he brings was very evident. And then, yeah, what you're, you're talking about is after, um, so after his helmet came off at the end of the period and, uh. That was uh yeah you're talking about Zucker. Zucker said you know I'm not gonna repeat what he said because uh, I want to keep this PG-13. But I mean I don't know I, they showed it on the on the on the broadcast. I don't know who he was yelling at, but I mean like you could I could just read his lips. He's yelling at someone like you're an effing loser. You played definitely ten games. You've played ten games. Here you go back to the minors. You're an effing joke and um. I just thought it was funny because then he had to do like the intermission interview, and he was just back to normal, very calm, polite, and uh, it just uh, yeah. That's I don't know. That's why they call him Turbo.
3: Oh, the the joys of the of the smaller uh, smaller crowds right now, the things you can see, the things you can hear. <laughs> uh, the last point before we uh, welcome, or I'm sorry, the last point we move on to the next segment, and then later welcome Dave Maloney from the New York Rangers. Uh, their fine uh, radio analyst. Uh, Guys, we have about 12 days or about two weeks here to the trade deadline. And I am wondering, we'll talk about this. We've already talked about it, about them uh, getting into maybe the management wanting a little bit more size. I don't want to talk about that right now. What I want to talk about is what this team right here is telling, trying to tell maybe their coach and their management about the group they have in the room and how tight there they are and the chemistry they're playing with are they saying we're good to these to to the management uh dave
0: well they're they're certainly not uh making a silent plea for you know assistance from you know a a player on the outside um yeah i you know uh Hextall made a point um, when I I spoke with him recently uh, of noting that he's aware of of the value and importance of team chemistry and that that's something that he would take into consideration uh, before making any move. Um, That said, I I don't think that he will refrain from making a move Mm -hmm. if he thinks it makes his team better and, you know, fortifies it for the stretch drive and, and the playoffs that follow. But, you know, when a team is playing this well, and, and I'm not sure how much better this particular group can play than it, than it is right now, I think it does uh, take away, uh, you know, some of the urgency that the front office might feel to uh,
3: bring in some new personnel. Taylor, sometimes you will hear management use the argument that this team is playing so well, it deserves to be, to add to the group. Uh, what say you on that?
1: I mean, I, I think when we were talking before about like what would they out there and add, I think a um, you know, bottom six centers, what everyone was talking about. Um, you know, Jankowski probably shouldn't have a, a spot in the lineup for the rest of the, the season, but uh, going I, as far as like adding someone, I think, you know, like Freddie Gudreau has proved that he deserves to have that spot in the lineup. So I think he's I don't think you can say like they've earned, you know, to add add someone else to the to this roster. I think Freddie Gudreau has earned to stay in the roster. I think Freddie Goudreau is the addition um, that they didn't have earlier in the season because I mean he's he's been he's an upgrade over Jankowski. I don't know. If you do add a Ford, I don't know who comes out. Um, if, if you know guys do get healthy.
3: Well, I mean, it is one of those things. It's a war. Playoffs are a war of attrition. I mean, that's a terrible ways to phrase it, but they, they are. And you're probably going to need a lot of players in the lineup if you're going to make a deep run. My two cents on this whole talk about getting bigger. I think I still think they're talking more down the line. Uh, I don't I don't know if you're going to get a, a big player or a, a player that commands salary or whatever. I don't know how you you spin that. I I, I still think that talk maybe a little bit about the future of this team. But we'll see, and we'll find out in two weeks. But for right now, we're going to move on to our next segment, and then later in the show, stay with us when we have Dave Maloney uh, to talk about uh, the upcoming games with the New York Rangers here on the 66-87 to 87 podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio. Uh, The Friday edition, we will have Dave Maloney, uh, the radio voice of the Rangers, coming up in our third segment. But let's bat around some issues, some topics right now. And let's start with uh, what's going on with Las Vegas. And I don't mean the Vegas Knights. I mean the gamblers and uh, what the odds are for teams to win the Stanley Cup. And I, I found this pretty interesting. And this is, uh, these are updated odds, uh, and there is no love for the East Division or for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, right now, according to the DraftKings odds, the favorites are Colorado, Tampa Bay, Vegas, Toronto, 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 Carolina, and then we finally get to the first team in the Eastern Division, which was the Washington Capitals. Then the Islanders, the Boston Bruins, Montreal, the Minnesota Wild, Edmonton, Florida, and then the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I I am not a homer. I am not a Penguin fan. No one will ever accuse me of being a Penguin fan or hoping the Penguins do anything, but that seems fairly low to me. Even with their last couple of years of not having playoff success, that seems mighty low. Taylor, if you were, uh, if you were a gambling type of woman, would you – put a few dollars on, on where the Penguins are right now?
1: I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm looking at like these odds and I guess it kind of makes sense. I think they kind of, um, flow along with like the, the Penguins, like injuries, like right now, like the, the Penguins were higher, like maybe a week or two ago or, or two weeks ago, it looks like. But, um, the, the website I'm looking at the, the odds right now are the lowest they've been since February 9th, which. I think it just coincides with like the forward injuries they've had. Um, So I guess that wouldn't be a bad bet to make because, you know, you assume they're going to get healthy at some point. Um, But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know even if they're healthy, if I would, if they'd really be my number one pick to to win.
3: Minnesota Wild. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, Dave, are you going to throw at least a saw buck on the Panthers here with this? uh,
0: No, I'm not a gambler. Uh, they, They do have better odds than the Sabres, right? (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: um um you know, as I say I, I I'm not a gambler, so I'm not all that well versed in how these things work, but i I think that the uh, general idea when odds are established is to bring in even money on uh both sides of a proposition so that you know the uh, the house is guaranteed at least of collecting the vigorish. Uh, oh, good word, Dave. Between the two. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's how it works. I I honestly, I, I don't know that gambling on hockey generates enough income for, for the major gambling houses to be uh, concerned about that sort of thing. But I wouldn't take it all that uh, seriously. And Uh, you know, I think the Penguins, you know, in the best of circumstances, uh, wouldn't be viewed as a, as a favorite to, you know, win the cup. I think they're a good team. I think they're a team that's capable of winning a best of seven from just about anybody.
3: I just don't think they're capable of doing it four series in a row. I will agree with you there. I, I, I would not have them at the top of the board. I would not have them Uh, I think what they have here in the top three is pretty good. Colorado, Tampa Bay, and Vegas. And when we're looking off again, the DraftKings odds and, and they're most of these sites are pretty similar. I'm just surprised that they are as low as they are. And the fact that they're behind Boston uh, right now. uh, And again, as Taylor said, these do fluctuate. I just, I'm surprised that the penguins are that low. Uh, Let's move on though. Um, but sticking with the topic of teams that are kind of – it wasn't long ago where the Penguins were like sitting fifth in the division and were they going to make it, were they not going to make it? Well, what they have opened up a, a sizable lead uh, at least to make the playoffs. And they are – If if things go accordingly here in the next couple games, they could be in first place very soon. My question to you, Taylor – is with with Philadelphia in free fall and with the Bruins really kind of struggling right now to kind of find their game as well, is there any concern with you that the Penguins look at this and say, we're, we're in, we're going to make the playoffs, and they start to relax a little bit and then and stuff starts creeping into their game?
1: No, I, I, don't, I don't think that's, that's a real concern. Um, I think with, you know, maybe especially, we, I mean, we keep talking about the injuries they have, um, whenever they're hurt like this, they know they can't just sit back. Uh, we've never seen them we, – sometimes we even see them play better when, when they have the injuries they do. Um, and I think even down the stretch when they're healthy, I think everyone knows how tight the division is and how quickly things can turn. Um, I mean, what, like, they did for the Flyers, I think, just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the Flyers, like they were a lock, um, and we saw what happened to them. So I think uh, – I don't think there's any danger of, of, of doing what you said and uh, getting complacent.
3: Dave, when they won it in 2016, uh, they had struggles. They had to they they, they changed coaches uh, in the middle of the season. Uh, everyone knows that that ended up, you know, bringing a cup. Uh, but they really had to hoof it down the stretch to kind of get themselves into playoff position, and they just carried it over right into the cup. Uh, d- any concern with you?
0: No, I I think they should be much more concerned about about continuing to. Collect points at a steady pace uh, with a watered-down lineup like they have because because of all their injuries. I think it's safe to assume that aside from the occasional stinker of a game, that every team is going to produce uh, over the course of a season. I, you know, I, I think they should be, you know, concerned about about having. Good enough personnel, not not about the effort or the focus that that uh, those players are going to
3: have. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys here. I think that that I don't think Mike Sullivan will allow that to happen. And I, I think these guys are in a good groove right now. And uh, you would hope when you get your lineup back to full strength that, that they're at that point are going to have the the blinders on and trying to finish as high as they can. And again, as Taylor and I talked about this the other day, of uh, maybe getting that home ice advantage, winning the division and doing the, as much damage as they can with that. Uh, one team in Pennsylvania that's not having this current conversation is uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. And, uh, you know, far be it for me uh, to stomp on their graves because the season's not over. They're still definitely in it. But I can't remember seeing a team uh, have a month like the Philadelphia Flyers just had. 5-9-1 uh, and one in March, that's not a huge deal. Teams go back and forth and sometimes have little funks. They won only two of those games in regulation. They gave up 67 goals in 15 games. In the month of March alone, they've lost games by 9 nothing, 8-3, to three, Six to one, and on Wednesday night, uh, the Buffalo Sabers finally broke their winless streak of 18 games in a 6-1 rout of the Flyers. Taylor, what in the hell is going on in Philadelphia right now?
1: I don't know. I, don't, I mean, you you leave out the the, the first game against the Sabers; they almost blew that one. Um, they had to come back and win. I I don't know. I don't know how long. Uh, you have to think Vigneault's on the hot seat. I, I thought it was interesting that game where they did come back against Buffalo. Um, I think he was asked like what uh, he, he did or said during that, that second intermission and he said he didn't even go to the locker room and he left it to the players to figure it out. So um, I don't know. I think maybe that <laughs> says it all that uh, they did get that comeback without him, but um, I don't know. I mean, they're just, I, I can't even point to like one thing and they're. The defense is struggling hard and struggling. They're not getting the scoring they need. Um, some of the rookies are playing well, but, I mean, they, they've they just fallen apart.
3: Dave, this is not an issue where, as, you know, the, obviously the we're right now in, in the middle of a two-game set uh, with the Penguins playing in Boston where the, the Bruins have had injuries. And, of course, the Penguins aren't going to feel sorry for anybody on that account. I think they're second in the league in manpower games lost. This isn't a matter of they've had like six or seven guys out of the lineup at the same time, uh, and they they have been through COVID issues, but this is this is bizarre. This is I mean they're they're they've kind of taken Carter Hart out of the lineup right now. He was scratched the other night just to kind of let him try to reset and refocus. They've been scratching some young players, uh, going with the veterans, and they go out and get shellacked on Wednesday night, six to one to Buffalo. What do you, what have you seen?
0: Well, I think they have to be encouraged that they only lost to the Sabres by five goals. <laughs> uh, and you contradicted yourself there, Tom, you said they haven't had guys out of the lineup and that they've taken Carter, Har- Carter Hart out of the lineup. And that's true. And that's crucial. I yeah. mean, of, All of the many failings they've had this season, I don't think any is more significant or more surprising than the way Carter Hart has just completely fallen apart. It looks like he's Mm. forgotten how to stop hockey box, which is something that he was very good at as a rookie last season and that he had been good at for several years before that, enough that – It seemed like the decades-long search uh, by the Flyers for a quality goaltender, something that dates back to Ron Hextall's playing days, it it seemed like that search was over and that they were set in uh, hockey's most important position for a decade or so to come. And not having him play to anything remotely close to what was expected, I I think has had huge and near catastrophic catastrophic
3: ripple effects uh, on their entire season. To your point, I mean, when, when when goaltending starts to go south, it affects everybody, right? It just affects the way you play, uh, how how aggressive you can be, whatever. Dave, they uh, the in two thousand nineteen, they went out and signed Vino to a five year, $25 million contract. That means there's three more years left on that. i look at that and say that right at this moment in time, that might be the only thing that's saving him a little bit that, that they they would have to eat three years. Now they do have some head coaches on that staff, but my goodness, if in another scenario, would we be already looking at a coaching change well, I, I certainly think it, it's not
0: out of the question. Um, you know, the pandemic and the loss of revenue that it has caused uh, could factor into some decisions like that. Teams might be a little more reluctant to pay a coach for several years to not work. Yeah. But, you know, we, we seem to be moving back toward a time when crowds will be larger. Um revenues will be rising, um, you know, and,
2: uh, you know,
0: it, it might be worth a team's while to uh, take steps that are necessary to get into the uh, into the playoffs and, and have the uh, ticket sales that, that would come from being in the postseason. Although, I mean, the Flyers are in a precarious enough spot right now that you know, I think you have to view them as a, a real long shot to uh, get into the playoffs. No matter no matter what sort of a turnaround they would execute.
3: Yeah, it's it's it is it is strange. It is it has been a strange season, and you know there's going to be a couple of more twists and turns before this is over. But I am I kind of agree with you, Dave. I'm starting to wonder if we we have the the position that the top four set in the East, and if Philadelphia can make. Uh, any kind of run again they can and we know that that Boston has kind of struggled here but it what a what a wild season and for me kind of an unexpected uh, uh, turn with these Philadelphia Flyers all right when we get come back here on the 66 to 87 podcast we will be joined by the voice the radio voice of the New York Rangers uh, Dave Maloney stick with us won't you back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on dk sports radio we are delighted to be joined by radio the rangers radio analyst on msg networks and former uh rangers player dave maloney dave how are you doing today
2: doing really well uh guys thanks for having me on and uh this season continues to march on right in unusual circumstances but i think uh all of us hockey people are glad to kind of keep our head above water and just keep plugging away. So it's good stuff. Yeah. Dave, we've seen uh, the
3: these young Rangers, youngest team in the league, uh, win four games against the Castles this year. We've seen them put at least one thumping on the Bruins. We've seen them competitive against the other teams. But they have really struggled against the Penguins, a, a skating team like the, like themselves. And I'm wondering what you have seen in those games that maybe have been different uh, against the, some of the other teams?
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I think we haven't seen the Penguins in a while from a Rangers standpoint. The Rangers are a little different team now than they were a little bit earlier. Um, you know, they're getting better goaltending, and things are starting to fall a little more into line. Zibanejad has actually been Mika Zibanejad, though who we had come to know and love for the last two or three years here he did not have a very good start and then of course Panarin had the the personal issue and he was out so um you know you take away uh goaltending and you take away your top players um and and you play against a team that's you know there's still a core of a championship caliber club in Pittsburgh and when you have um a leader like Crosby I mean if if you're not firing on all parts you're going to struggle so I, I expect to – I, I perhaps I'm showing my bias. I hope we're better and more competitive when we tee it up uh, next week against the Penguins. But I, I, I think it should for, make for an interesting matchup given the way um, – more given the way the Rangers are playing. I think it would be a, a little more competitive. Dave,
3: Mika's advantage had came off you, – you touched on this a second ago. Mika uh-huh. advantage had came off a year where he scored 41 goals. Uh-huh. uh was one of the hottest players in the league when the pause came last March. Now that he's kind of through that, what what do you think happened there early in the season where he
2: just didn't seem he – could, he couldn't could buy a goal? What's changed? Well, first of all, <laughs> it, it, it really, guys, it goes back to the bubble. Um, and, you know, the, the top players, Panarin, uh, Jad, uh, we're not a factor at all in the three and out against uh, Carolina. And then Mika did uh, have the COVID virus closer to when this league reopened, and apparently changed his diet a little bit over the the break, and he was noticeably um, behind the pace, noticeably not nearly as strong on the puck with the puck noticeably absent he'd become a listen a, a, a big minute guy play every situations all three zones for two years now he hit he hit the lottery last January and February I think his, his shooting percentage was off the chart everything was going in the goal so I just think that for whatever reason it just took him just to get back to game condition it looked to most of us, it just, he was a, a shadow of who he'd been physically. You know, he's not a, a dominant physical when you talk about bang bang type player, but always strong, always, uh, you know, around the puck. And he was literally invisible for 15 games. So he and David Quinn had a, about an hour and a half discussion prior to him turning the corner. And, um, and and it's worked. And then you throw in the couple of games he had against the Flyers and, and he's gotten on a roll. And um, the Rangers, hey, listen, they're not going to be any different than anybody else. You need your top guys. And the thing was, you know, to expect him to be who he was last January and February might have been asking a lot, but he wasn't 50% of who he was last January and February. He's closer to that now. And as a result, uh, the Rangers are a little more competitive.
0: David, the, the Rangers have more than their share of good young players mm-hmm. who uh, seem to have the potential to get mm-hmm. a lot better. But I don't know that anybody is more impressive than Adam Fox has been. Um, looking at him as a as a, as a guy who played uh, defense mm-hmm. in this league, what about him is most impressive to you?
2: Well, you know what, David, it, it, it's too easy to say – He's so the, 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 his game rests so brilliantly between his the six inches between his right and left ear, given the fact the guy has a psychology degree from Harvard. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but but I, I, I'm telling you, he does things. He has a, a threshold, a non panic threshold, and he sees the ice. He and Panarin see the ice, have a feel for where people are. Listen, it's the great players and and the Pittsburgh franchise has been blessed with great players. And, and, you know, when we watch Mario play, the game just, to me, uh, the game looks different to those players. The players are special. And Fox is interesting because there was a, a concern or a consideration or whatever, could he defend? And he uses – he just is uncanny how he uses his hockey IQ to defend. He's not overly physical. He's in the right spot at the right time. Um, It is – and he's a guy, the league, you've got to pay attention to him because statistically he's – I think he's third or tied for third point-wise. He's plus 13, 12 or 13, something like that. But, boy, when you get a chance to watch a guy game in, game out, you really go, wow. And now the comparisons here are to Brian Leach. I think Leach was a a better skater, a different skater, could skate forever. Uh, To me, he's more like Brad Park, for those of us who are long enough to remember, who was a great Hall of Fame defender, didn't finish his career in, in New York. But Park was that smart also. So it's um, – he's been a gem. You know, he didn't want to go to uh, Car- uh, Carolina. He didn't want to go to Calgary. He's a Long Island kid. And, you know, lots of things happen to get things t- corner turned. And that literally is pennies from heaven for a kid who grew up a Ranger fan and want to play as a Rangers. And those of us to get to watch him and go, hallelujah for that.
1: What have you seen from uh, Lafreniere and Kako this season? It seems like both have been starting to find their games more as of, as of late, and that's helping the team too.
2: Yeah, you know, no question, Taylor. These are, again, if you're really doing it right for young guys, most young guys, and maybe I'm a victim of the generation I played in, um, should spend time in the American League. And if you look at a lot of the successful franchises over time, and I throw Pittsburgh right in that mix, they, they, they have – you know, Crosby's an outlier, Malkin's an outlier, um, but most guys have to spend time to learn how to play. Now, for Lafreniere, this is, this has been a tough year for all franchises, right? No training camp, shortened season, no practice. Uh, this is a kid coming out of out of junior, hadn't played in six or eight months or whatever it was. So, all things considered, I think uh, again they are all they're tracking to be really good players. I, I think Lafreniere. Is going to be more, you know, he's got the a little higher hockey IQ. Um, whereas Kako are going to be a physical player. Uh, I don't want to say he's a and type, but more and type. He's kind of a power guy. He's going to be shooting the puck, and and Lafreniere's is probably going to move it a little bit better and things like that. So the Rangers have a have a couple of good players and. The thing is, when we get these young top picks, the Rangers have another rookie on the blue line. Keandre Miller was a first-round pick in 2017 who was 20-something overall, and he quietly came to camp. I came back in the bubble, and there was no scrutiny. He's been left alone. He's been tremendous. You know, it's just again, when you lower your ex, when you keep your expectations where they should be, you're going to be surprised on the upside because these kids have talent. The problem is the kids who come in with the billing they do, unless they're Crosby, unless they're Ovechkin, and even they had to go through the growing pains as rookie, you, you are not going to meet most expectations, but these kids are going to be just fine.
0: Uh, David, we've talked a lot about the good young talent that -hmm. that the Rangers have. Other than experience for for Mm -hmm. those kids, uh, what do they need to become a legitimate contender over the next couple of years?
2: Patience, Dave. (laughs) Patience. Can
0: you come up with that in Manhattan?
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, listen, we've had one cup in – well, what was it, 54 years, and you can tack on another 20. So there's been one cup in almost 90 years. So how much more patient can they be? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, 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 no, I, it, it, like I've been around the franchise long enough to know that the, the traditional way is it'll get to a point they'll become impatient and make that one move for one guy that'll cost three or four players. And you just – I, I just, even now when it's difficult to build because of free agency and 20 to 25% turnover every summer with free agency, I, I, I still think you have to create a culture from within. And the, the Rangers are in a position to do that. These be contracts, they're getting some money. They're gonna have to pay Fox at some point. They're gonna have to pay Shesterkin. If, if Shesterkin can stay healthy, Um, that's the only issue with him as far as the goaltending is concerned. So, you know, eventually then if you grow from within and you get to a point, then you start kind of finding that, maybe that filler piece. Are they rugged enough? Probably not at this point. You know, if you have to go through uh, Washington, the Islanders, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, I mean, they've got the combination of all of it. So, but I just think, I really, David, you know, as far as pieces are, is there a question, can Heedle be a second-line center? Well, you know, you still have a year or two to determine that. He's only 22. And, well, how about Strom? Well, Strom's 27, and you say, well, he's playing with Panarin. Well, not anybody can play with Panarin, and why worry about Strom? He's got two years and a really team-friendly contract. Deal with that when that comes up. So I just think um, – Really, this this franchise just needs time time to grow. And I I really do. I think this season for a team like the Rangers is, believe it or not, a bonus round. You just get a chance to – these kids are going to get a chance to play under really a unique situation and circumstances. It's not the grind of a long season. And you're in a division where you're playing – you know, you're playing five legitimate playoff, despite the, the slump that the Flyers are in, there are five legitimate playoff contenders. And, you know, your young kids are going to grow, and they're going to grow, and that's what it takes. You've got to play and you've got to compete. And so I just think the franchise needs a little time and a little patience.
3: Dave, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, obviously, you alluded to that one Stanley Cup in the last 80 years or whatever it's been. Uh, that started with bringing in Mark Messier, a, a high-profile mm-hmm. player, and he was able to live up to the hype. And we've seen a lot of guys that kind of were brought in over the years, high-profile mm-hmm. uh, agents that did not perform well on Broadway. Uh, in that, with that as the backdrop, how impressed have you been with the, the fact that Panarin has been com- come in, embraced all of that, and played to the level he's played in New York,
2: well, again, I, I, you know, when you talk to people who have been privy to world-class players like the franchise Pittsburgh's had for, you know, you go back to Mario and, and Crosby. Until you see world-class players, it it, it not in their prime. You, you really don't know what world-class players are till you see a guy like Panarin day in day out. You know, I remember that just quickly like I got traded to Buffalo. Uh, We played Boston like six or seven times in the time I was there. And, you know, you hear the hype about Ray Bork. So play against Ray Bork six or seven times in the span of two months. And you go, "Okay, now I get it. Now you get why there are special players in the league. So Panarin uh, is that type of player. He he really is. He's an elite player. Uh, He loves to play. Uh, he's got an infectious attitude. Um, he's he's all the really good things about the game. And the Rangers, are. it's another thing, are fortunate he wanted to come to a big market. There was a long time nobody wanted to come to Manhattan, right? But you get a guy like that and says, you know what, I'd like to try there. And uh, he's was welcomed with open arms, and those arms are completely grasped around a, a world-class player at Panera. Oh, good
3: stuff, Dave. Great having you. Uh, and that will be it for us on the 66 to 87 podcast on DK sports radio for Taylor Haas, for Dave Molinari and for our guest Dave Maloney. This is Tom Reed. We'll see you next week.